Issues. This is Dave Arnold, your host of Cooking Issues, coming to you live in newsstand studios at Rockefeller Center. Joined, as usual, with Nastasia the Hammer Lopez. How you doing, Stas? Good. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Everything's good? Things yeah. are fantastic. You know uh, that. Yeah, we know it's not. We, I love it. It's a good lie, though. It's strong. It's a, it's a good move. It's very very nice. We got uh, John here. How you doing? Doing great. Yeah, we have Joe Hazen rocking the booth over here. Hey, how are you doing? Yeah, we have our uh, we have our man from California in Mexico City again. We got uh, Jackie Molecules. How you doing, Jack? I'm great. Yeah. And by the way, if you're listening, yeah. uh, if you're listening live on Patreon, call in your questions to 917-410-1507. That's 917-410-1507. And if you're not listening live on Patreon, why don't you go to Patreon and figure out how you can rectify that? In the future, uh, today's special guest is a very good get for us, Eric Wareheim, whose new book is Foodheim: A Culinary Adventure. How you doing, Eric? Great. Yeah, I'm uh, very excited, big fan. Uh-huh. Uh, you might uh, also know him as part of the uh, comedy team of uh, Tim and Eric, whose most recent thing, and I hear you're working on a season two, is uh, Beef House. Beef House is kind of like yeah. it's like Beef House. I'm just going to say prune shortage. <laughs> yeah, it really ties in with the culinary scene on that episode for sure. And it, health. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's all about <laughs> health and wellness and hot tubs. And, and uh, I would say, you know, I'm working on a book myself, actually, called The Miracle of Moisture Management. And I'd say most of that Beef House section of uh, storyline is about uh, fluid management. Would you say? <laughs> I would absolutely say that's yeah. right on the money. Yeah, fluid management problems. So uh, you know, I can't really discuss it on the air, but you should uh, you should uh, yeah. check it out. Um, and uh, I first actually became aware of your kind of foodness uh, because I didn't realize how real that whole kind of character with you and Az- uh, Aziz Ansari was in Master of None. But you know, yeah, yeah, you know, both of you really do that kind of stuff, right? Yeah, I mean, we shot in Italy on season two because we're like pasta freaks and we wanted to be in an amazing environment. And, you know, like if you're going to work, you might as well work in a place where you can get an amazing dinner afterwards. So that's why we did it. Yeah. Uh, Just so you know, she might not say anything about it because she hates being called out on it, even though I'm about to call her out. But Nastasia gets triggered with pasta conversations because she used to own a pasta company with uh, Mark Ladner. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, I think so. It was good. Pasta was very good. It was pasta that they had pre stars. You want to describe as pasta that you had par cooked, par cooked and frozen, secret um, process, and then we closed because nobody liked it. Amazing. It's not because no one liked it. You oh. were in a crap tank location. Listen, and no one liked it. What do you mean no one liked it? Everyone liked it. Well, you were serving Italian style pasta with the little with the little pellet in the middle to American schlubs. Yeah, is what happened. That's you know that's kind of <laughs> what happened. It. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, I put a little, oh, there's a little Mark Ladner in my book. I saw that. As, a, as an homage to my favorite pastas ever. There's not a hundred layers in that lasagna. It's a lie. You know, I've counted it, right? Uh, yeah, I've tried to. Yeah, it's not. But you just, you just go with it. You just go, you just like let him say a hundred. By the way, <laughs> uh, before, before we start, so I read, there, you know, you, you have like a little glossary of things in it. And one of the things that, you know, I've been around chefs a long time. You say, chef's kiss this book has already penetrated the zeitgeist because I have not heard people say this. I read it in the book. Today I'm biking over here on NPR, and I hear the, the, the host talk about a chef's kiss to someone. I was like, what the hell? You've already permeated freaking NPR? What yeah. the hell is this? 
it's just a food heim is just a global sensation in every sense of the word. Yeah. Chef <laughs> kiss, dank den, gorgeousness, all that stuff is, is what you're going to be hearing now. Now, let me ask Change. you a question about a chef's kiss. Is it, do you, because I could see it one of two ways, and I don't remember whether you describe it in the book. Is it like an American, like like a Southern, like an open hand, mwah, or is it like you make the kikatsu fi hand and say, yeah. mwah? I, Although none of you have actually it. kissed a chef, and I was with one for six years, and I can tell you, it tastes like alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> Zing. Uh, That was strong. All right. But which one of those two non-actual kisses was it? Is it? It's the second one. You take your hand and you you don't you don't want to do anything sloppy. You know, this is a delicate thing. You could do a chef's kiss to your food. Do it to someone else that's doing something great in the kitchen. Do it to your family. that's doing something right. The fingers are together, though. Fingers are together, yeah. Okay. Absolutely. All right. Uh, also, you uh, are a winemaker, and I have a, a question to ask you about it. So uh, he has a bubbly yeah. style, so we got to talk about it because he does it a little bit differently. Uh, Las Haras Wines, and here's what it says on your website, and this is what i got to ask you about. It says yeah. it's the first good celebrity wine. And so my question to you is this. <laughs> do you think that Les Claypool is not a celebrity, or do you hate his wine? <laughs> I have not tried his wine, but I have tried some others, mm. and I, 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 in the book, there's a little secret area where I list some celebrity wines that I may or may not like. But, <laughs> well, according know, to your just... website, you don't like any of them, which is weird yeah. because your boy from Poison has a wine, but he didn't make it. Yeah. I mean, John Bon Jovi's got one. You know, mm. a lot of people have them. New Jersey yeah, not known just, for its wine. I, New Jersey not known yeah, for its wine. It, it's just, you know, like what you're coming from comedy, coming from Beef House, where I do prune shortage jokes, it's a, it was a hard transition to making uh, natural wine and some fine wines that we're making right now. So it was like just just trying to get the word out there that I actually love this stuff, and we we this is is very hard to make good wine, and and that's, we tried to get that message across, and I think we did. Well, I mean, it's it's a really nice on your website because you go into extreme detail on how each uh, wine is produced. It's almost like like if you had the grapes, you give the recipe. Like you're straight up, you're like, you know, uh, yeah. this many NTUs when I, when we, when we, fil- you know, as we filtered it, bop, 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 bop. I mean, which is, I think is a very strong move because it's kind of like, look, this is how it's made, which I think appeals to, you know, uh, it appeals to like kind of like the wine nerds, not in the kind of old school, like I have more money than you wine nerd way, but the people who like to know how things are made, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, we just, it, it, the whole world of like winemaking, also natural winemaking, it's so dorky. You know, people are like, well, you add too much sulfur, so you're not, you know, labeled this or that. And we're just like, all that. We're going to literally be the most transparent winemakers out there and, and list what we do. And then you can decide whatever you want to call it and what, you know, whatever uh, classification you want to put in. But, you know, Joel, my partner, winemaker is just, he's a scientist and he's, he's just doing crazy things in California that no one else is doing to make like the best, you know, I think one of the best natural wines, low intervention wines out there. So I, I love that how in depth we do. And, 
we, we also have like a system of notes, you know, we, we share notes and we have this diary when he's working up there. Cause I, I want to know too. I'm so fascinated by all like the technical stuff of what we're trying with different kind of aging vessels and different kind of fermenters and all that stuff. It's really cool. So, so you're sparkling. I'm going to ask you in particular on this, you call it, uh, a méthode untraditionnelle. You say you're French, you French, yeah. John. Say, 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 give it to me in the full French. Give me the full French. What method? Me- method uh, non-traditional, untraditional. Méthode non-traditionnelle. There you go. All right. And it's like so yeah. you you do the you do the the full like aging the sucker on the leaves, do the disgorging, but then no dosage. You want to talk about that? Yeah, it's just you know we originally came out of the gates calling it a pet mat, and we got you know, a little backlash from some people saying it's actually not a pet nut. It's more of a champagne style, you know, a method ancestral, but it's actually a slightly different that, you know, we don't put add sugar to it. We just do it our way of making kind of a almost pet nut, but, you know, very low uh, RS. So it's just, it tastes like a super dry champagne. That's kind of, we're just like owning that because, we love it. We don't really care about the classification of pet nut or not. We just want to make an insane sparkling wine. If you try it, you'll be like, oh, yeah, this doesn't taste like any of the flabby pet nuts that are out there. It's like it's super high acid and elegant. I like you had to change the name because people were like, it's actually not pet nut. Yeah, I know. It was, yes, it was interesting going into the natural wine world. Like, oh, my God, this is a real crazy, nerdy scene, but also has so much soul. And I, that's what I was, I was very into the natty world at first because of the passion of people making these things, especially in Europe. It was so cool. But then you realize you find, you got to find your own lane. And Joel, my, my partner kind of has been teaching me that throughout the whole process. It's really cool. Yeah. So uh, as a guy who kind of grew up drinking, you know, traditional wine, wine, you know, wines, like it, now, yeah. when I go to a place that's known for its natural wines, who didn't we have a whole natural wine thing with Fabulous and Jeremiah once a couple of years ago? That's before my time. Anyways, uh, they, I was like, my standard thing now when I go out is like, give me something that's funky, but not like too overtly flawed. You know what I'm yeah. saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's a great. It's the the idea of the, the, these natural wine bars are everywhere I'm, in New York. It's insane. I was just there for a couple of weeks. I couldn't believe it. There's more natural wine bars than cocktail bars nowadays. And that's a, I think it's a huge problem that they're celebrating a lot of these wines that are, I call them funkadunks. That <laughs> just like, you know, they're not just funky, but they're up and flawed. And a lot of people have, you know, a lot of people have they mess up or too much bread or whatever, they'll just go with it because or, or smoke taint, which is a huge problem in California, they'll have to release it just so they can pay their mortgage. You know, I, I get it. I get it. But I'm with you. I, I, I just try to lean into wines that are made a little bit more in the clean style. And you can have kind of that amazing natural expression without that funk dunk that makes you want to bomb. You, uh, you uh, had me a taint. Yeah. Um, <laughs> All right, so let's talk about the book a little bit. Uh, First of all, uh, I read, and I'm only asking you this because I want my son to get a job there because he's memorized everything there is to know about the Subway sandwich, uh, uh, you know, the the entire (laughs) friend. You worked at a Subway. Yes. I worked at a Subway in high school only because there was this goth girl in high school that I was in love with named Raven. And I was, (laughs) and I just was very into like, 
skinny puppy. She's in the Banshees. Oh, skinny puppy. I got a job there. Yeah, I was like, my first show was skinny puppy at the Trocadero. That's crazy. That's Uh, not normal. It's not. I was like. On the Vivisec tour? When I was transitioning to punk rock, I was a big skinny puppy, like a big, very serious industrial moment. So I had like really dorky, like a ski jacket, but then I had combat boots. So I was like trying to make that awkward high school transition. But um, I don't know where. Oh, anyways. Yeah. So Raven worked there. I got a job there and I was like, I would do anything just to make her happy. I would mop the floors and really, really make my Subway sandwiches the best they could be. And then when Raven would compliment me, it was like, you know, you, it was like the, the highest high a 16-year-old could have wow. at that moment. And uh, with Skinny yeah. Puppy mixed in, is Skinny Puppy the reason you became a vegetarian? They're all vegetarians. You were vegetarian for a couple of years. <laughs> Are they? Uh, well, I mean, yeah. That whole album is, is, is anti-vivisection. That whole section of stuff that Ogilvy was doing was all anti-vivisection stuff, right? V, V-I-V-I oh, yeah. sect was anti-vivisection. Yeah. Oh, that's cr- uh, yeah, I totally forgot about that part of it. I think it was more just him using decapitated heads on a tree. I love it. You know, you know who didn't like Skinny Puppy? Everyone else in my college dorm. No one, no one appreciated it. No one appreciated the loud Skinny Puppy in yeah. the college dorm. People don't like it. Uh, people like no. it, obviously. We liked it. You know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, so another thing, uh, I want to just have this out now. You say that you went to uh, Sushi Sawada in Tokyo. Now, Nastasia yeah. Lopez and I, we got to go to Jiro and... The man puts so much vinegar in in his rice, and Nastasia is still to this day angry at me because I ate my wow. piece so quickly that we were out in under twenty minutes. Right, Stas? Mm-hmm. We're out in under twenty minutes, and the next day, her boyfriend at the time, Mark Ladner, goes to Sawada and says it's the best sushi he ever had in his life, and then says for the dessert they gave him a freaking eggplant as a freaking dessert on its own <laughs> eggplant, and then won't tell us any more information about it. Didn't bother asking what kind of eggplant. They just walked out. And just dropped that bomb on us while Nastasia and I were slaving away on the inside of like a hotel, like in the bowels of a hotel. So did you <laughs> did you have the eggplant for the dessert or what? What happened? No, he he gave us one of those Japanese gooseberries, like with the beautiful like leaves. Maybe it's not a gooseberry, but it's a, um, it had like the leaves on it. You kind of peeled back, and you had this just like burst of like citrus. It was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah. No one's ever going to pay for us to go back to uh, Japan, Nastasia. So we're probably uh-huh. host. I don't think I can ever go back to Sawada because I had a scrapers. I had a I had a scrapers incident. If you'd like to hear about it, it's pretty amazing. What's that? What's a what, what's a scrapers incident? <laughs> we call it a scraper. It was very it's very traumatizing to talk. It's um uh, you know it's very hard to get a reservation there. We did. I brought a friend that was not an an sushi expert, and I tried to explain many times. This is like a temple. Like you just don't talk. Don't even look at anyone, <laughs> you know, that, that kind of thing. You're going to eat a lot of stuff. Are you okay with all these things, uni and, like, uh, red clam, like, the textural things? And she was like, yeah. And we get there, and, and for that day we had four courses of uni, you know, which is a lot for even an uni lover from all over Hokkaido and everywhere. And she just couldn't do it. And eventually she started scraping the uni behind my water glass. Oh. And I was like, what are you doing? Do not scrape your uni. First of all, don't scrape your uni. And don't put it next to me. Now I have to eat it. And he's Sawada-san just watching me oh, being Jesus. like, you will never return. You will never be welcome back here. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. so who knows if I could ever go back. 
I mean, that's the issue where uh, you go to a place, it's all, uh, they all hyper-localize. When we went, everything was freaking uh, that uh, pike, that, you know, that long, that long fish with, with all the bones. What do they call that mm-hmm. thing? You know what I mean? Because it was springtime. And I was like, I get it. It's in season now. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, I don't need to have yeah, everything be that. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree. I don't like it when it's over, over the top of one kind of thing. But yeah. still, the experience. I didn't get to go to Jira. I wish I, I went to his son's spot, which was beautiful, but I never got to go to the, um, the, the dad's place. Does his son also love to have a highly vinegared rice? You know, I didn't, I didn't feel like it was too out of whack. I felt like it was, pre- it was pretty good. It was more casual, but, you know, it was, um, I remember it being beautiful. I mean, pretty, how the heck good. much less casual, more casual, you know, than 20 minutes in and out, $300 a pop, can you get than Jiro? I, I mean, know. like. Yeah, I know. I mean, you there's know. a vinegar. If you guys come to LA, you have to try. Have you heard of Mori uh, Mori Hiru? Just mm. Mori's new no. place. He has a place. It's like on the east. It's it's on the east side in Atwater, which is crazy to have a four hundred dollar like omakase on the east side of LA. But he's a vinegar freak, and it's really interesting. It's very polarizing. People love it. People don't like it. Uh, I'm still in the. I I got a takeout for the pandemic, so I, I can't judge it yet. I have to be there, of course. Can't um, judge on a takeout. I appreciate that you can't judge yep. on a takeout. Hold on a second. We got a caller for you. Caller on the air. What's up? Cool. You're on the air. Yeah. this I uh, know that Booker and Dax has these great products, and so does Cinco Corporation, like yeah. the, uh, the urinal shower and the, and the pasta bear. Ooh, I'm just yeah. thinking that there's an opportunity for, for, it, for, for Dave to do a commercial for the Cinco Corporation, or vice versa, this seems like the the ultimate possible collaboration well, in the universe. I think if if I had to pick one collaboration, it would actually not be one of the things that I've worked on. It would be one of the things Nastasia has worked on, the wine Santa. I think Which you f-ing hate. Uh, yes, but uh, I still think that there's something there. Like for a comedy potential, for an actual item, I think it's a rancid idea. But for like. A comedy potential or like, you know, for a one-off at a party. I mean, I think it's fundamentally... So, Eric, just so you don't call her if you, in case you... So, the idea is, is that you get a, uh, like a, like a, a supermarket Santa animatronic figure complete with polyester white beard. You with me? Yeah. Yeah. Preferably yeah. one that dances. You still with me? It's got like little wire mm-hmm. legs and it dances like a hula style dance. Except you, it's human Santa. Size. Human size. Yeah. Full size. Come on, please. And then... You, you put a punch bowl in its arms, and then it vomits wine out of its mouth into It's like the a bo- fountain. It's like a wine fountain, but it's Santa. She's also done Wine Zombie. Actually, Wine Zombie was first, before Santa, right? Wasn't Wine Zombie yeah, the wine first? Wine Zombie was first. Wine Zombie was first for Halloween. We have a wine rabbi. We have it all. You had a wine rabbi? <laughs> no, but somebody a- requested that. Oh, and you said no? You said you wouldn't build it. I didn't say I wouldn't build it. John, do you imagine I don't that I'm telling Look, the truth? <laughs> Eric, here's how this works. She loves this thing, and then she makes me build it. And then I said to her, Never I was like, listen, it. I was like, listen, we work it with people in Shenzhen, which is where they make all those animatronic figures anyway. I was like, get in touch with someone. I did, and you said, why are you bothering about I did not, about no, no, you asked our be. agent who hasn't even <laughs> successfully built the freaking products for us yet. You asked her to, to, to I was like, you find the, pl- whatever. Do some costing. Eric, how much would you pay for something? Here's the other thing, right? Let's say you have this wine Santa. Someone overserves himself, like, you know, walks out in front of a truck and gets pancaked. You, you know? can get overserved at any bar. And it would have to, what are you yeah, going to fill it with? Not- chocolate, so it's constantly aerated. <laughs> some sort of, it's only serves chocolate. Anyway. 
I'm very into I'm very into that product idea. Even in my book, I I talk about m- making ice luges for parties, which I've done in honor of many many ice luges. Lots sometimes it was body parts, sometimes it's offensive, but also um, exciting. So I'm I'm very into this idea. Great, Eric. Let's do it together. Bye you guys, days. you guys, you guys do it, and like you know, I'll help. I'll help. No. No, no. I'll help. Listen. No, no, thank you. By the way, I mean, no, thank you. You've never been able to build one. You always ask me to do it. I always do it. Wine Grammy. Remember Wine Grammy? Anyway, uh, it's the Victro- It's the it's the dog with the listening to its. Uh, it's the Grammy where the it. I forget. Does the dog spit into the phonograph or does the phonograph spit into the dog? Dogs. Do- you just said dog. The dog spits. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, the problem with luges, listen, people, let me tell you. If Get overserved. If any of you, I, I, the worst I've ever been overserved was on a luge in uh, in Sweden at an ice hotel. Isn't that your problem, though? Like, should no, 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 no. Listen, I'm about to say, of course it's your problem. I'm about to tell people the answer. I wasn't the one who caused us to have a $30,000 bill because I peed on an irreplaceable ice block that had to be chainsawed out of the ice hotel and replaced. That was not me. Uh, but I did get viciously overserved. Do not, if someone's pouring an ice luge for you, do not feel obligated to take the whole pour. Whenever you're done, absolutely not. Just close your mouth. Just close your mouth. Like, like at this point in my life, I'm old enough. Like, look, I had enough to drink in my life. I'm fine. If I want to close my mouth and have the rest hit my face, that's exactly what I'm going to do. And I recommend that to other people as well. I'm just going to say that. You know, yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Because because you always get someone who has uh, what's it called? Uh, you have someone who, who you know with uh, bad intentions at the top of the luge. You know what I mean? They're not metering yeah. in with the luge. They get the speed pour. They pick some sort of filth at some sort of like blue colored filth, and then they just like dump it down that luge. That's a mistake. <laughs> you know, you can have a little bit of it, anyways. Uh, all right. Also, uh, growing up, spent some time in Baltimore. Talk to me about Old Bay. I mean, Old Bay is an essential nostalgic spice, you know, doing the blue crab boils or steaming them, actually, you know, paper towel. It's like there's something about the uh, newspaper and the Old Spice, you know, licking it off your fingers. It's just it's, it's perfect. I yeah, my, it. my dad's family's from around there. I appreciated that in your crab cake uh, recipe, you just said lump crab. And didn't call out like in your next crab recipe where you said preferably Dungeness because you knew you would get smacked around by your Baltimore friends if you yeah, specified. Oh my God. You would just get totally punched in the face by them if you did that. Yeah. So, yeah. Why old? Why, yeah. Like, I mean. Yeah. The Bay, by the way, yeah, people, is was, Chesapeake Bay, not Bay Leaf. Chesapeake Bay season. Yeah, yeah. Old Chesapeake Bay. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Was, I mean, I put like capers in that recipe. and But then I put uh, my, one of my best friends from Baltimore who do, who will who wants to fight over that, you know, the idea of like owning that, even my grandma would, would turn over in her grave if she knew that I put capers in there, but to, you got to take a little Liberty. Yeah. But you have, we have a picture there. of your buddy pushing it away in the, in the book. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Just to show like, you know, I mean, not everyone knows what it is to be like from Baltimore or Philly. And that's, that is that attitude of like you love what you grew up with and you will die with that. And I just love that. That energy is amazing. Speaking of pushing away, you called out as one of your favorite ingredients. And I was almost like, oh, my God. But then I looked at the recipe where you used it. 
caper berries. And I was like, holy <laughs> crap. He's going to put like some giant freaking caper berries on it. But you slice them very thin, in which case I was like, fine. fine. Yeah. Fine. Yeah. It's more of a, a visual, you know, it's a visual thing. It looks like little mini pepperonis. Yeah. So it's, it's. If I never have someone expect me to eat a whole salt bomb caper berry again in my life, <laughs> too soon. If, if no one yeah. ever hands me a full Szechuan button in my cocktail and thinks it's going to be a pleasant experience for me, also too soon. You know what I'm saying? It's like a whole Szechuan button is just not <laughs> yeah. pleasant. I like Szechuan peppercorn. I know you have a – I forget which one of your recipes you do the, uh, the, the mala. The ribs. Yeah, yeah. Oh, hey, the yeah. ribs, by the way. So in your ribs, this is – I like, I like that you have a lot – You. You have not do not have a fear in the book of putting recipes out where people will fight you for it, right? So in your ribs, yeah, you're yeah. you're a foil the whole way kind of a fella, right? So it's like it's yeah. like a crutch and flash, you know. If you were you're going to use Texas parlance, so you do the whole freaking thing in the foil, then undo, baste, and flash to to dry them off on the outside. And I have to say, yeah. I kind of agree with you. Like, what's the point yeah, of letting them dry I'm, out? It's not sexy. I've tried these in everything, in smokers. I've tried boiling them. I've, you know, I, like every recipe in this book, I really test it. But to me, I want, I, I, and I also watch so many like Texas championship barbecue videos. I got obsessed with it. These like big boys that, you know, they like it. They like it a little more firm down there. But, it, it, you know, it's just how I do it. I, I take them a little farther, almost falling off the bone. You can still kind of hold them up. But I don't know. I think they're just the juiciest that way. It's like, you know, and making the sauce with some of the, the fat that drips off. I'm just like, okay, this is how I do it. You know, I, I also think because I started in comedy, I have a little bit of freedom here. No one's going to come after me and be like, how dare you? Well, I mean, I am. No, I'm kidding. Uh, but the, the, <laughs> the, the thing about it is I think that, you know, if you're serving a blank rib, everyone gets obsessed with the smoke ring, which needs to be done dry and, you know. Yeah. Who cares? I don't care. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I mean, if you're if you're I doing a blank care. rib, if you're doing a blank rib, I get it. You know what I mean? But like, like, yeah. you know, like, why would I want to sit around all day trying to figure out exactly how to tweak my my, uh, you know, my cooker to get exactly this thing when I could just wrap the sucker? Yeah. You know, I, it's, I so agree. It's, I also feel it's like there's certain places in the world that are so special, like Japan, like Texas, like Franklin's and Austin, where you're like, you know, when I when I'm there, I will taste that smoke that has been going all night with that special kind of oak, you know, all that stuff. I, it makes it more special that, that that's where it happens. And when I'm at home, I'm actually doing it how I want it, you know, and it's, it's a lot easier. too. So that's a big part of it. Well, so you. but OK, so some of the recipes that you do, you bend some of the recipes, you do it the way you like it. And some you bend a little bit to traditional. I'll give you an example. So yeah, you, 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 did, yeah. you did your, your Florida-style fried fish uh, sandwich, right, with yeah. panko, right? So it's, it's panko coat. Yeah. Right. And I was like, yeah. Florida panko? Oh, okay. And then I was like, oh, my God, he's going yeah. like, to do a crab cake recipe. He's going to put panko on it. And, and you did cracker meal. Yeah. I was like, fine, fine. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then, you know, when you did your yeah. grandma schnitzel, you did breadcrumbs. But then for, your, for the parm... You went back to Panko. It's like, what the heck? I, I was I like, I, I couldn't figure this out. Is crazy. I couldn't figure out. I couldn't figure it out. Like when it was okay to be, when you were like, you know what? I want that crunch. I need that Panko versus like, you're like, I can't do that because yeah. my buddy in the car will actually punch me in the face instead of just threaten me. 
Yeah, well, I mean, to me, I'm more afraid of people from Baltimore than I am afraid of people from um, uh, Sascarilla, Florida. <laughs> you know, um, you know, I think, you know, it's, yeah, with the fish, yeah. First of all, I just love crisp. I, the whole book is like an honor to crispy things. So when we do parm, I just love it with, you know, I just, I douse it with sauce. So I feel like just the extra level of crispness will let it last even hours, even to the night when you're doing round two of chicken parm, that panko will hold up. So, yeah, I do respect tradition, but I also, it's, it's just what I do at home. I've tested it with every, tested with cornflakes. That's pretty fun, too, but, um, you know, all that kind of stuff. But you ever, you ever go to a, a lot ever, of the time. You ever go down a panko hole and research how they make panko? It's a good hole. No, I, I haven't. It's a good hole. It's like they're baked, yeah. they're baked between these elect. it, it it basically they make like a almost like a capacitor and then they shove the bread dough in and they bake it electrically so there's no crust and it just like shoots up and makes those long lines because they bake it between wow. these two metal plates that's crustless and then they they dry it to a very specific level and they shred it in a very specific way and grate it to, grate it depending on it's a, it's a whole thing you would I, I think you would enjoy the panko hole yeah I'll look that up yeah. I need to get it I love getting in this hole yeah. Speaking of holes, uh, circles. So uh, have you ever met, uh, there's a whole, ch- the first chapter of your book, really the first two chapters, right? If you count pizza as a separate chapter, right? Or yeah. No? Yeah. Circles. But yeah, pizza is a circle food, yeah. Yeah. So, but it's not its own chapter because there's a whole section on it. I don't know how you consider it. I yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So talk to me about circles. Have you ever met Nils Norin? No, I haven't. Nils Norin, you need to meet him. He uh, he was the guy uh, who you know was working with Marcus and did the menu at Akavit back when they got their their three star and then he came to run the French culinary which was where I met him. The man can turn any food and taught me how to turn any food into a circle. The man used more meat glue yeah. than any anybody else on <laughs> earth, and he would convert everything into circles. You name it, he would make it into a circle. First a tube. And then he would slice the tube into perfect circles, like constantly. I spent years wow. just making tubes and circles. But what is what is your love of the circle? I mean, I I got into a moment of just like when I when I got into ring molds and cooking eggs in a ring mold to get that perfect kind of like McDonald's circle. You know, it, it all goes back to this like fast food visual thing from my childhood that I love. These per- I'm also like somewhat of a perfectionist when it comes to things. So like when I'm eating ceviche, like piling it up in this nice presentation versus it just being like sloppy out there. It's just, it's a presentational thing that I love. It's also just ridiculous to have a whole chapter on circle foods. And that's why I do it as well. Uh, You you, got to get with Nils, man. Nils, Nils used to, Nils, Nils' thing was, is that if you turn everything into a perfect tube, it will cook perfectly evenly. Right. And every portion yeah. will be exactly the same. So he'll he would take a salmon, a side of salmon, and he would, you know, skin it, take off the, the, the bloodline in the middle. Then he would cut it all the way down. And then fl- so two very thin triangles. Right. And then he would flip them end for end, meat glue them together, roll them into a tube. And he's like, look, now every piece of salmon is perfect. I was like, all right, <laughs> all right yeah, me sold. So we yeah. chicken tubes, salmon tubes, fish tubes. Uh, I mean, uh, sorry, shrimp tubes. He would take shrimp, the big ones, and he would like end for end them so it had two tails and turn the shrimps into tubes. Lamb tubes. Wow. Any, any kind of food, tubes. We would mm-hmm. do uh, we would do turducken tubes. We would do all kind of tubes. 
Stash, remember the tubes? <laughs> I love yeah. it. Yeah. So uh, I was. Well, you you got to meet. You got to meet. Tell you. Yeah, I, we got to set it up. Also, in your uh, list of equipment, you say people should own a rice cooker, and I agree. Do you have a recommendation? Where are you, Zoji Rushi man? What are you? Yeah, I just use the standard one that I I have for many many years. It's still crushing it, and it's you know I use it every other day. I'm really into like doing a lot of stir. I'm like stir fry freak right now. Um, so the rice is always going. It's it's such. It takes so much of the headache and the uh, the time away from getting good rice. My Zoji Rushi is 18, 19 years old now, 18 years old, and it once died, Amazing. and then I unplugged it for a week and plugged it back in. It came back to life. I don't know what the hell happened to it, uh, <laughs> but I committed a crime against it a couple of days ago. People, I want this is the, this is the PSA for the for the episode. If you're going to do grits in your rice cooker, that's fine. Remember. If you put milk in your grits, because you're going to do like a shrimp and grits kind of a situation, it's going to boil over like a mother. You cannot put <laughs> you cannot put large quantities of milk into your rice cooker and think that it won't extrude grits all up through that thing. I thought I'd lost it. I thought I'd lost it. I thought I'd lost the cooker, but uh, it came back. So I was glad. You got to go induction, I think, on the on the Zoshiushi rice cooker. The induction. Is like a game change because then the pan is induction friendly, so you can use the pan on your induction, and it's just so freaking even. It's just so even. Yeah, yeah, it's it's beautiful. Even down to just the the um, the tones that you hear, the Japanese tones that you started it, and when your rice is finished, it just fills your whole house with this magical melody. Yeah, I'm, I had to. Uh, my my son uh, is uh, uh, has autism, so. He hated it, so I had to, and he would never let oh, me cook no. rice. Yeah, so I had to take it apart. The very first week, I, I or two, oh, you know, I had to take it apart and snip the snip the wires to the speaker. So I have a, I have a deathly silent Zoshirushi. Yeah, and, yeah. So it's like boom. That's amazing. Yeah, he wouldn't. Uh, yeah, you never know. Uh, so listen, we have a question yeah. in on uh, from uh, uh, what with the Patreon that I thought might be. Uh, Good, because you have a whole pizza section, and so we'll have your answer and my answer. We'll talk about it. Uh, by the way, your pizza cool. section, what's uh, interesting about it is you you write it from the perspective of you're going to use a home oven, right? So that's like yeah. you're going to use a home oven. And just before I get to, to uh, Frank's question here, I will say for the record, uh, first of all, you put brown sugar in your standard pizza dough. What's up with that? <laughs> I mean, it's just. The way that I t I was taught, and I just love the flavor, um, and it just works. It's just I think it adds a little bit to the coloring. Also, for ovens that are don't get hotter than 450 degrees, you know we tested it without, and it's not as like caramelly. Um, so it's, it just works. I forget. Are you, I forget. Are you light brown or dark brown? In terms of like the blistering, no, the sugar. I don't remember which one you use, whether you use light brown sugar oh, or dark brown sugar. Um, I use light brown sugar. I don't know what's in this. Um, let me look at the recipe. Packed brown sugar. Yeah, I do light brown. Yeah. So for, sure. uh, so for the record, uh, go buy the book, but for the record, it's 2%. Your standard recipe is 2% salt, 5% oil. It's baker's percentage, obviously, people. Come on, get with it. 3% brown sugar, although mm -hmm. Wiley hates baker's percentage. And 65% uh, hydration with AP and uh, you do, uh, uh, do, you, do people pronounce it? Cause I don't, I don't really talk to bread people. Oh, is it auto lease or auto lice? I would say lice, auto lice. So you do an auto lice, right? Then you knead it, then you mm -hmm. rest, you do a two X stretch and fold on it and then you retard it in the fridge for cooking it, right? That's your standard dough. Yeah. 
All right. I yeah, think, we do. Yeah. yeah, we added a couple extra, like, kind of bread-making steps in there that I thought were really fun, but also, like, I don't know, it just makes the dough really beautiful versus a lot of the traditional recipes. And your need is for four minutes, I think. But remember, you're, it's not just a straight four-minute need because you you do the, the two stretching folds. I'm just giving a shorthand to people because yeah. a lot of our listeners, you know, they can understand the shorthand. Now, from Frank yeah. Mosca, Frank Mosca writes in, hey— my dough is heat, so he goes caputo, right? He's going Italian on mm-hmm. here. Hundred, uh, he does the double zero, hundred uh, percent caputo. He's at seventy five percent. He's going for Neapolitan. He's going for Neapolitan. I forgot to mention yeah. this. All right, seventy five percent water. He's at two percent salt, uh, a quarter percent yeast. So he's doing it overnight, a quarter of one percent. So he's going overnight on it, right? And he does uh, in an outdoor oven at seven hundred uh, Fahrenheit. Right? So it's like kind of an in betweener. It's not like fully, you know, mm-hmm. Naples hot, but it's. Hot, you know what I mean? He says, I generally yeah. like the results except for the texture of the crust. Not long after I remove the baked pizza, the crust goes spongy, especially the bottom. How can I get my crust to stay crisper for longer? Is this a matter of manipulating the ingredients? Dot, dot, dot. Handling of dough before baking? Dot, dot, dot. Or moisture management after the bake? Thanks. I mean, I'm going to get your take on it. My take is, is that Neapolitan pizza just does that. Don't you? If you want it crispy, don't, yeah. don't eat Neapolitan pizza. What's your take on it? Yeah. I mean, I I recently, it's so funny, I wrote this book, and then all I make now is Neapolitan dough because I got one of those uh, big propane ovens outside, and it's just, like, so fun to use. But I, st- I, I still take it, uh, I, I take the pizza cook a little further, and then I'm a big fan of, you know, those uh, wire racks on, you know, and just kind of keeping the pizza elevated to stay crispy instead of, you know, making contact with the pizza, the, the, your plate or whatever. And it's, uh, my pizza stays firm all night. You know, I just, I just, but I, I, I make sure that you're, you got to make sure your pizza stone is, is really hot to, to get that effect. That and sounded, a lot of Neapolitan people just don't, that sounded, wanna, don't that sounded wanna. real dirty, Eric. <laughs> my pizza stays firm yeah. all night. Yeah. It's firm. I, it's very firm. I'm not against recrisping either. Are you against recrisping? No, I mean, that whole cast iron thing is is awesome. Um, so you mean like recrisping in the same night? Yeah. So like in other words, like, like tossing it back in. Yeah. Like so, like you know, you you put it in for however long. So it's seven hundred. He's he's got to be doing like three minutes, right? Something like that, somewhere in that yeah. range. So like, because he's not doing a ninety second pie at seven hundred, right? So like he's doing something yeah. like three minutes. Uh, pull it out. You know, let it let it sit for for a little while. It'll sog up. Maybe if you if you need to, you can aluminum foil the top if the top's real brown at that point. Throw it back in mm-hmm. for a couple of seconds and blast the water out of the bottom, no? Yeah, I, I think that would be a, an easy fix, yeah. Now, uh, but ha- yeah, I, um, have you read the Modernist Pizza, the new one? Have you read the new Modernist Pizza? Uh, no, I didn't. I haven't read it. Yeah, so they crap on uh, on the New Haven-style pizza in it quite quite heavily. Quite a big crap they take wow. on the on the New Haven-style pizza. You call out the peppies and the clam pie, which, I'll by the way, they. it's a good pie. I I think that the it's issue is pie. is it's not. You know, if you've had all of like the modern, like amazing, you know, pies, and you know they they also travel the world eating pizza, you know, because they got like nothing mm-hmm. but money and. Uh, you know, they're, they're crapping on it, I think, because I think they were expecting it to change their life in a way. I think it's just, it is what it is. Why should it be something else? Yeah. I don't, yeah, I totally agree. It's, I, I mean, I had a pretty revolutionary moment when I first had it, but I've been so many times now. And it's like, 
it's just a, a particular style, and I, I think it's like very different than anything else. It's really, really an interesting experience of, and it's in that. I don't know. I love everything about the the vibe and the way the pizza tastes. So I'm like a big fan. But I also like, I also like I said before, I don't really do favorites. I just love that style. I love Chicago deep dish. I love pizza in Naples. Like I, you know, I love pizza in Japan. It's, it's, they're all fucking great. I've had Freaking some. Great, I've had sorry. some that. I've had some nasty pizza in Shenzhen. Uh, like this durian pizza. I was like, I was so psyched to have durian pizza. Oh no! I was so psyched. Yeah. I was like, oh yeah, because <laughs> I'm not that guy that. Ha- and you don't hate sweet pizza because you got a honey. On- yeah, one of your pizzas has honey on it. Yeah. And uh, yeah. and I was like, you know, a lot of people like John. You hate a sweet pizza, right? You hate it. You hate a, a Hawaiian pizza. Weren't you one of? The, or is it no, Nastasia? No. Nastasia hates it. You both like it. Like someone it. else. Someone else that I know then. Joe, are you the hater of the Hawaiian pizza? One of you hates it. Anyway, I, you know, know. I don't know so much. No? Yeah, like Joe, Joe, Joe will fess up to hating it. My point is, I was like, the durian pizza, I wasn't expecting it to be that sweet and for the crust to be that bad. Mm-hmm. If you're going to do durian pizza, I think you have to get good at pizza first and then yeah. tackle the durian pizza. You know what I mean? You have to have some certain baseline above like what every American school kid grows up with in the cafeteria at school. Once you make your crust past cafeteria crust, then you can put the durian on it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. uh, I totally agree. You got to have that base foundation. Eric, let me me ask you a question. There is a place in Yukon. I don't think I've talked about this on air yet. The place is called Pizza Mike's Pizzeria. I've never been, okay? Pizza, you with me? Pizza Mike's Pizzeria. Yeah. Now, my feeling is, is that if your title is pizza, right? You, you are Pizza Mike, <laughs> right? So it's not like yeah. you can't, because you're Pizza Mike. Can there be anyone else with that title? Can you be like, could you be like, because Dax was like, now I kind of want to become Pizza Dax, but I don't think you can have both a Pizza Mike and a Pizza Dax. I think it's like like Highlander. I think there can only be one. What do you think? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I think I think it's open season for anybody. The more pizza, the better, in my in my opinion. Wow. I would go for it. Dax is going to take Pizza Mike down. Dax needs to be a reviewer. <laughs> yeah. Dax, we were so we were sent a book the other day, and it was a certain kind of thing, right? He's one of those books where it's like blah 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 A to Z recipes. Huge book. Mm-hmm. He picks it. It's a thousand recipes. He picks it up. He goes, not in alphabetical order. Throws it down. He goes, that's not right. Walks away. I was like, hey, you should be <laughs> you should be a critic. Um, all right, back to your pizza. Pizza Hut, you call out Pizza Hut as being the first pizza that you liked. I, of course, grew yeah. up. And you make a personal pan pizza in it. Uh, you know, my yeah. hi, my high school band wrote a song about personal pan pizzas from Pizza Hut. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was I mean, a, it, it's, it's a good yeah. thing, Pizza Hut. Back then. It's great. I mean, it, yeah. I don't know if it was just I was a, a young tot and I just loved anything pizza, but I do feel that, you know, that 30 years ago, it, it was, it was coming out a little bit better than they're doing it now using a little bit more real stuff in there. And it, I just, I mean, it was, I still can remember it. And I just workshopped my personal pan to kind of have that, that feeling. And it's, it's pretty good. It's not that hard either. Well, I think, you know, like, in life you have to ask yourself, did I change or did it change? I think in this case, maybe you changed. I don't know that pizza huts yeah. changed that much. I think maybe you changed a little bit. <laughs> I mean, but okay, yeah. your pizza, your personal pan pizza is like, because I was kind of surprised you didn't do a Detroit. I got to be honest. I was kind of surprised you didn't do a Detroit. Yeah. 
But on your on your and you don't you you use the normal order on your on your Pizza Hut one and you do the par bake. So like all standard Pizza Hut kind of tricks, like the oil in, yeah. the dimpling, the par bake, the sauce, the cheese. But you do Frico the edge. Is that a tip of the hat to Detroit? Because that is not a Pizza Hut situation. That, yeah. Yeah. That is not a, that is not pizza. That's kind of just visual and there's a place called Apollonia's in LA that does it really well. It's like it's that's a Detroit kind of square pie, which I make all the time. Like I I love it, but there's something about the circleness of the pan pizza that I wanted to like present in this book, and also like that lace is just like it's just <laughs> it's amazing to look at I and can, eat. I can't remember. Do you use a black pan for that? Do you use like a because I think Pizza Hut uses black pans, don't they? I think I, they do. I just use like a um, like a nonstick cake pan that I, I found. Um, I'm sure you know the company. I can't remember them now. It's a Detroit thing. It's the same kind of pans I use for Detroit pizza too. Yeah, yeah. But it's not a, like cast. It's not like cast iron or anything like that. No, it's that stamp steel stuff, right? That thin, yeah, the thin yeah. stuff that's got that glossy. That's that's mm-hmm. great. I think the classic mistake people make. Is you try to do a pizza like that in a regular, like shiny aluminum sheet pan, and the uh, the emissivity of the aluminum is uh, too low, and so your crust never browns up uh, properly like it would if in a dark metal uh, pan. I think it's a classic mistake people make. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I I I, I agree. I was making it. I was buying the unseasoned pans, and I was seasoning it myself, taking like a whole day to season these pans. And it never came out properly. It would stick or just not cook properly, so I, I switched to their preseason ones, and I'm like, oh, this is a game changer. Yeah, got to get that, got to get that emissivity up to catch that radiation from your oven, my yeah. man. Yeah, I know. Uh, I know. Back on pizza, one last question: lemon anchovy. Now, this is kind of a strange pizza because you put thinly sliced like uh, raw lemons on the on the pizza along yeah. with the anchovies. Talk about it. So, I mean, first you got to find those the sweetest you know, youngest lemons you can. You can't put those big, gnarly, thick-skinned guys on there and really get it super thin. And then it's amazing. It becomes kind of like this sweet and sour thing that I've had many times in Italy, specifically like Campania. So I try to replicate that for this and also get get some good anchovies. And just it's always like, that's the, the winner. When I, I do pizza nights like every week, that's always the one people are like, holy shit, never had that. That's insane. Love it. So it's, like, been, it's good. And you tell people to buy good anchovies, but you don't make them get the salts. I like oil pack. I like oil yeah, pack, and I like regular, too. and I like bocaronis. I like them all. Like you know, I like them all. Yeah, it's a yeah. The 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 the, the you know to the the salt ones are beautiful, but it takes that extra step. And I I try to make this book accessible. There's some complicated things, but that was one thing that those oil pack ones are so amazing. Nowadays, if you find the right ones, it's crazy. All right, so let's move to the grandma section. Now, the, the, the hard thing about this book is that, you know, to, to, to interview someone about is that it's like the theme is just like kind of like all the stuff that you like and you like a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, yeah. you know, you know, the through line is what you like, right? So then, but in the grandma section, yeah. I want to call out the, uh, the, the roulade, the, uh, I forget the title you had for it. Roulade. Yeah. With the, um, with the egg yeah. in the middle. What's, talk, t- tell people about this. The, me- the yeah. mega roll. Yeah. It yeah. Looks good. I mean, I made it. It's so good. It's, 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 uh, called roulade. you know, it's a German recipe from my mom's, my family's like village outside of Munich. I made a video online if anyone wants to watch it. Like it's called Jaime's house, and I cook it because it's it's kind of it's somewhat complicated thing. 
you got to pound out your meat really thin. You make a roll with with eggs and relish and bacon, and then you make this beautiful brown sauce. It's like, to me, uh, even when I go home to my parents now, I ask for this dish. It just reminds me of growing up and being with my family in Germany. So, like, Grandma Foods is all about that, like, like going to gr- Grandma's house on Sundays. Her house smells like brisket. You you pound some of those chalky mints while you're waiting because you're so hungry because you smell all that, <laughs> you know, r- red cabbage going, so... Yeah, you like red. You're like you're a you're a, you, uh, you on your kraut. You call out red. You're a red man. Yeah, I love the road kraut. I mean, I love the just the jarred stuff from the, Germany. It's really it still holds up. It's great. I've always been a I green mean, kraut I, guy. I, yeah, but I, I know I know I mean, many I people are red kraut people. Too. I know many people are red kraut people. I don't know. Yeah, I mm-hmm. think it, it as with this dish. I think it works. Also visually, you know, with the, if you have Schwetzle and green cabbage it's kind of like just it looks like a mushy thing but having a little pop of red i think is is nice well here's the thing about the spetzel i was like i was like oh he's gonna give it i was like he's gonna give a recipe and then you're like you know what no and you're like no you have to get my mom's you literally i believe say you have to get my mom's phone number to get this recipe and here's the thing here's i was trying to think and you put the you put the picture in they're there you know what i mean you tell people they could buy it in the supermarket which of course they should not right uh, but then no. I was like, I was uh, on my bike right over here. I was thinking about it. I was like, why, why, why didn't he give the recipe? And, and he, <laughs> here's what I think. Tell me if I'm right. Cause you didn't want to be that guy and lie and say that you could do it with a colander because you can't, you freaking can't. Is that why? I mean, that is absolutely true because you need one of those special, like you just need a special tool to do yeah. it that we have, but it's, it's also kind of difficult it's also, you know, making a cookbook is, there are certain parameters. I didn't want another page of, you know, of recipes without photos, all that kind of stuff. I thought if you could just get this, and even in my, um, in the in the video that I make it, I do like uh, Papardelli, and that, like, that really works as well, too. Mm-hmm. So I think, let's t- take it in steps here. Maybe yeah. the next book will do Yeah, you should, because P- people... Spetzel's only the special machine's only like ten bucks. It's like ten and twelve dollars. You yeah. know what I mean? It's not even a lot of money for a normal size one. When the French culinary went out of business, John and uh, John and I went and got like the full size one, the one that you can put over the giant stock pots that sit on the candy stoves, the one where you oh, could like wow. spetzelize a cow sized chunk of, of uh, batter. <laughs> and I was like, ah, but I haven't had a reason to use it yet. But I'm super jacked for someday being able to use the giant giant thing. Yeah. And I've never tried to do board cut because a lot of the like old, old school German style folks, they do this kind of board cut spetzel, which I don't really know how to make. It's a, it's a stiffer dough and they're like cutting it into the, and it's on a floured board. I've never done it that way. I've never seen it that, I've, oh, only, I've never seen that either. Yeah. And you know what? Crap, crap on it. I, I, you get the machine. It's cheap, whatever. <laughs> it's, it's actually fairly forgiving. Uh, I'm, I'm very, very, very pro. Uh, now, uh, another one of your uh, things, you have like a beef bourguignon recipe in there, and I wanted to get you yeah. and you. So John, he is a Francophile, right? And a Francophone, yeah. but he's actually more of a, of a Belgian, right? And I so, am Belgian, yeah. What? I am Belgian. Yeah, yeah. but you, you're... I lived in France, yeah, okay. So yeah, 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 you yeah, lived yeah. in France, but you're, you're Belgian, right? But you're connected to the French people. Yeah. Yeah, okay. okay yeah, fair. All right? Yep. Okay. Now... You bring out the uh, beef bourguignon recipe, and so you know for those of you, you know everyone knows what beef bourguignon. The carbonade is the Belgian mm-hmm. beer-based stew with the fancy mustard and and the bread that's baked in. Now I'm going to say that when beef bourguignon grows up, it becomes carbonade. You two fight. 
Yeah, I don't know, Eric. Have you ever had beef carbonade? It's delicious. I haven't. I, it sounds amazing. Oh yeah, you gotta you gotta seek it out. Cooked in a really nice heavy Belgian beer, some really good mustard. It hits hits all the spots. Served over French fries. I mean, what other what better way to get up all that gravy? It's delicious. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That and sounds good. No, yeah, no pesky beef, vegetables. Yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. I, we did. We I, like my friends and I started doing beef bourguignon. It's all based on the like Julia Child's recipe, and then we kind of tweaked it to. To, to make it even, I think, better in some ways. But it was all about, like, drinking French wine. I think it was, like, we're very into, like, doing a night. Like, we're doing German stuff, and we'll drink Riesling or, you know, so beef bourguignon was very particular to my my thinking at this time, which is fun to, like, put the same wine that you're putting in the, in the stew, and you drink it later, and you drink it together, and you talk about it. But I'm definitely into the, the French price <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I also want to get into the the Korean stews are like really exciting to me right now. I haven't done one yet, like a kimchi pork shoulder situation. I'm super stoked to try. Uh, speaking of pork, you, the, I was looking for it, didn't see it. I don't know if I missed it. Did your grandma make the Schweinhaxen? No, I don't know that one. That's the where you take the the pork shank and you just cook it forever, and then you f- like either fry it or oven roast it. It gets real crispy. Maybe that's more northern. Oh wow! Genre. Anyway. Uh, I gotta try that. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, it's like it's, it's also it's a great crazy. name, Schweinhaxen. Yeah, it is. A, it is a good name. It really is. I first had it when I was in uh, Berlin. A friend of mine took me to this place, and he's like, "You got to get this is the only thing to get." I'm like, "Okay," and I was like, "Yes." Uh, all right, one more thing. Oh, I'm, gonna, I, I'm gonna agree with you on this one. So I feel like I've been like you know like finally you know, I'm gonna agree with you. The best. <laughs> I've been grilled. First of all, first of all. Uh, I like your call out to 1990s restaurants. Strong, not like by name, yeah. but just like as the 1990s. And the best, yeah. the best use for the filet mignon, because everyone's like, there's no use for it. Steak au poivre, good use. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yes, good use. I, In fact, I have to shoot a video and- with that. I'm going to do that. Maybe I'll make your recipe, Eric. What do you think about that? Oh my God, I would be honored, honored if you did. I mean, it's, to to me, it's like I, I didn't even know that this the, the this quality of um, fillets were out there, you know, and then, then, then once you start really like looking into it, you can get this beautiful piece of meat that's, it works. It's not flavorless. It has tons of flavor. It's amazing. Especially with an apoiv sauce. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. Jack it up with that, of course, but it's also, it's how you cook it. You know, I think, I think my recipe kind of nails it and it's not all steamy and gross like a lot of restaurants do, yeah. but yeah, I mean, 90 stuff, we would have succession nights when the first season aired and we would just like get down and make shrimp cocktail and use a lot of ring molds, martinis, that kind of thing. It's about wedge salad. Now you have a green smoothie recipe. I've never actually had one in my life. I refuse to. Do you actually never? like the, fl- no, no, no. <laughs> do, do you like the flavor of it? Here's why I like the recipe. You call for a knob of ginger and anything that calls for a knob. I'm okay. I'm okay. I was like, Oh, Hey, yeah. he used the word knob in a recipe. It's okay. You know yeah. what I mean? But like spinach and kale blended up with berries? No. No. But everyone loves it. I'm, I'm the guy. Uh, this is me. This is my problem, not your problem. Yeah. I think the secret is is good coconut water, to be honest. You know, a lot of people do it with, without the sugar. They don't want it sugary. But to me, it's like, let's make it as, as yummy as possible because you need these nutrients after you do what we do if we travel and and go crazy i feel like it's um uh, it's like a meal replace i just wanted to put it in there because it's my homage to um california in a way but you can make it good it's yummy speaking of uh homage the homage you have to your grandpa 
is this salad that you said was famous. You called it out in the introduction. I looked at it and the recipe. Yeah. And it's interesting about it. Very, it's like an inverted vinegar ratio off of like a normal vinaigrette. It's two vinegars to one oil. Yes. Yeah. Talk. You want to yeah, talk about that? Super. I mean, yeah. I mean, I also call it that I'm like this. I'm an acid freak lately. The older I get, the more, even with wines, I'm drinking crazy things that are like just like feel very intense. To me, but he, that, it was mind blowing when you when you eat like a braised like when you're eating that rollada with that braised meat, you really need something high acid. I think this salad is just such a perfect partner for it, and just the memories of him going out in his garden. Like they had a very tiny little apartment, and they had this beautiful garden with like butter lettuces, and he picked the herbs. And when I was a kid, I was like, ah, oh, this is boring. And then as an older person going out to restaurants. You remember those little moments and how powerful that was, and how much better it tasted than what you sometimes in the restaurant. So that's that's why I kind of put it put it in there. Nice. We have a question in uh, from the Patreon for you specifically from Misplace Enthusiasm, who asks you a question and then calls himself out for being a hack. Let's do it. Uh, who's the best cook of the comedians or actors that you know? And this is kind of a terrible question because it seems like something a hack interviewer would ask, but I'm still interested in your opinion. Can great food uh, be funny? Or is uh, humor too conscious and emotion for the feelings we get when eating something spectacular? So I guess two questions. The comedians, That's, actors. Yeah, and the, yeah. Two, yeah, two-parter. I'll take the first one. I would say Aziz Ansari is the, the number one comedian cook that I know. And a lot of this book is inspired by us working in Italy and learning tortellini from Nona's and all that kind of stuff. Like, he's he's always, like a year ahead of me in his cooking. And I'm like, it's amazing. And in terms of comedy, you know, I think I've done, I've done it. I've, I've, I, I, this book is proof. There's a, there's a sandwich called a pork dork sando in here. Um, I think that's pretty funny. <laughs> and it's also very, del- very delicious. So, you know, and round, very round. It can be done. Very yeah, circular. Yeah. I think there's, you know, there's, there's a, a point, a level to it where it needs to be delicious and needs to be functional. But yeah, I'm all about circle foods and, Having fun. Right, we, have, uh, we have two more questions that John's going to read because I don't have them. So we got one from Yes, Ezra. My question for Eric. Where's my chippy? But seriously, I'd love to know Eric's thoughts about chips. Potato, tortilla, naked, sauce. Does he make chips? Does he eat chips? What are the best chips? Ameri- American <laughs> chips, not fries, because there is a fry recipe in there. So chips. All right. And he, yeah, and he has chips. a tortilla no. recipe. He has a tortilla recipe in there. He says to fry the tortillas yeah. in between making. All right. All right. I'm, okay. But go, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. They've already answered. Um, no, yeah. No. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, making tortilla chips was like a revolution when you first try that. I mean, it took me a while. Even living in L.A., I just didn't do it myself. And once you do it, you're like, holy sh- moly. You know, yeah. it's amazing. And not difficult. So I'm a chip person. Yeah. I do. No. I've done some, you know, some potato chips, really thin slice, different kind of potatoes to try it out. It's really fun as well. But um, it's not it's not in my normal rotation. Homemade French fries, definitely, but um, and tortilla chips, definitely. Yeah, commercial potato chips are really good. I've done a lot of work for the book on on potato (laughs) chips, and I've achieved as good as the chips you can buy. You know what I mean? Which is like, okay. What's the the next question, John? All right, next question is from Quinn. Are there any cookbooks that particularly inspired Eric? Does he prefer things more technical or based on storytelling? Bigger books that cover a lot of different topics or ones that are more specific? Um, you, I mean, visually, some of the Salvador Dali books were like a huge inspiration, especially in some of like the the crazy things. Like I have some party sections where I do like the shrimp towers, like very insane French 
things that I, I love just to look at. But it's also it's yeah, I, I would say it's very inspired by a lot of visual cookbooks that I wanted every almost every dish to be photographed and and powerful that you're like holy moly I got to make that and then but the story part is really interesting because this is the first time in my, in my career I've kind of told my story about my family and what inspired me so I look at this book as like it's a little bit more than just a cookbook it's like somewhat biographical because most of I've never done any real interviews up to this point anytime I've done late night shows it's been a crazy bit because the mystery was the best to me for me but now that uh, i mean this this is the food and wine world it's i think it's important to kind of tell your story and also to kind of be like i'm not just an actor (laughs) you know i think that's my main thing it's like the integrity of this book is important so i go into like detail of where every recipe is inspired from and how my family works into it all that stuff do you do you like doing these? I mean, not this particular one, not not us, but I mean, like in general, do you like the the food style interviews? Are you enjoying it or no? I'm loving it. Yeah, it's it's awesome. It's 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 just because it's uh, it's something I would literally talk about all night, you know. <laughs> anyways, with my wife and I are food freaks, and all of my friends are food and wine people, so it's really interesting to bring it into kind of a more formal thing where I'm just like, this is actually really fun. Comedy, talking about comedy is really hard. It's a different kind of thing. Um, but food is just, there's so much more like love and passion and in a more positive, sometimes positive, sometimes negative, but, um, more it's way for me, it's way more soulful and positive. I love it. Well, we, uh, I'm being told that we're we've zoomed through our hour. I didn't get a chance to fight with you over whether or not you should put leavening in your uh, flour <laughs> with the fried chicken. There's a I was gonna I could I, we could have done a half an hour just on fried chicken because you have like yeah. a, a bunch of different fried chicken recipes. So you know maybe someday uh, you know. Also, there's a small horse chapter. It is a small chapter on small horses, <laughs> but you need to have the small horse chapter. Uh, and if you like yeah. pictures of very tall and very small people. You're going to love the book. I'm just saying. And there's also a very long section on Sebraj, which I appreciate. And yeah, and yeah. A, most of the recipes where, where it makes sense come with recommendations of what you might want to drink with it. And you don't push like only like yourself and your friends. You uh, tell people a good range of stuff, which I thought was, uh, I thought was very nice. And last thing I wish I had talked oh, about because Nastasia would have loved this. If you like the idea of a raclette party, you should get the book. If you don't know what a raclette party is... You should get the book and find out. You used in your photos the same set I bought my mom for Christmas a couple of years ago. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the funnest ways to eat. I love it. Yeah. Raclette, good. Cheese, yeah. good. Wine, good. Was that also an excuse just to, yeah. just to, to choose the drinks? I mean, I don't know. No, I, I mean, raclette is just, I really do it all the time. It's a, so fun for the whole, for your whole friend group. So yeah. I had to include it. Mm-hmm. Fig leaf fish also. You got you to gotta check out that fig leaf fish. How does that really taste? Yeah. How does that fig leaf fish taste? It's amazing. Yeah? I mean, it's, it's awesome. Like, it depends on the figs you get, but we get them just like our neighbor's house. You know, you just kind of sneak in, grab them, and if they're super nice. Um, also, you know, a good steamed fish is something you'd steamed with some embers, some of the smokiness. It's, I, I was like blown. That's why I put it in there. I was blown away of how much flavor you get out of it versus just kind of um, barbecuing it. Looks real good, too. Uh, yeah. If, you know what? If we had this conversation last week. Was it last week, Stas, where we're like, if something like, 
like something that looks like that much fun at a large gathering is kind of it's kind of like already it's been worth it. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, uh, I'm going to have uh, Nastasia and you are going to get rich off of wine Santa, and I'm just going to you know uh, continue living in this uh, in this uh, flaming sack of. Uh, poop on the porch that New York City is. I love it, though. It's my flaming sack of poop on the porch. Uh, anyway, thanks so much for uh, coming on. I hope you. I hope this was okay for yeah. you. Yeah. This was awesome. It was so good to talk to everybody. Yeah, well, thanks for Definitely. having it. And, uh, this, do it again. Yeah, please, anytime. This has been Cooking Issues.